Welcome to the Life & Law Podcast. I'm Heather Mulder, former AmLaw 100 partner turned lawyer coach who, just five years into my legal career, found myself teetering on the edge of burnout. But I was determined not to become yet another lawyer burnout statistic. And so I redefined success on my own terms, enabling me to build a profitable legal practice while navigating the challenges of two kids and two bed rests, the 2008 financial crisis, and a battle with breast cancer. What I learned is that you can build a successful legal career without sacrificing your health or personal happiness. And I now help purpose-driven lawyers confidently retake control of their careers and create their next level of success and impact. Join me each week for practical, unfiltered advice on how to successfully navigate the challenging legal market and succeed in both law and life. This is the Life in Law Podcast. Well, hello, hello. This is Heather Mulder with the Life in Law Podcast. Welcome to episode number 34. Today, we are talking about what is business development? And there's a reason why we're covering this today, because I find that a lot of people who come to me kind of conflate the various prongs of business development and don't think about it as strategically as I think they could. And that makes things harder for them at the end of the day. So before we dive too far into this whole business development discussion, Let's just make a note. Obviously, this is really an episode that's more oriented towards private practice attorneys. Although I do think that if you're in-house, you might still want to listen to it because I have had my fair share of attorneys come to me who were once in-house and ended up in private practice having to develop their book of business. Also, if you are lower level associate or you know not in a position where you're needing to currently develop your business proactively, I do recommend quite highly that you go ahead and listen to this because at some point it is going to become much more important. And in all honesty, maybe the first couple of years of practice, you don't really have to worry about it, but you do need to start worrying about it before you realize it. And these are skills that are incredibly important to develop. And so it's important to understand what business development really is and the various prongs. Okay. So why is business development so important? Let's just start there right? So the purpose of business development is obviously to grow your business in a sustainable manner, which is something I specifically add, so that you can increase revenues and profitability. So obviously, it's to make more money, right? To increase revenues, to increase profits, and wink, wink, to increase your own income. But also, I think it's about sustainability. And that's something not enough people really think about. Sustainability in the sense that you don't want to become overwhelmed, while building your book of business, yet that's really easy to do. It it overwhelms a lot of us. And you want to be able to be consistent so that you can continually grow your business over time, right? So that's the sustainability piece. So it isn't just about the immediate or what happens over the next couple of months or even the next year. It's about consistent growth over time. Now, most attorneys have some misconceptions around what business development is that really holds them back, really some negative beliefs around business development. The first one is that it's a necessary evil. Yes, it's necessary, but it need not be an evil. I think a lot of attorneys think that it's something that you have to do. It's kind of a chore because it's really time consuming. That is not true. Or it doesn't have to be. It can be time consuming if you make it, 
but it need not be. Also, there's a lot of attorneys out there, and this is especially the case for my introverts, and also for a lot of female clients who come to me thinking that it's intimidating and uncomfortable. And especially when it comes to marketing and tooting your own horn as though that just feels kind of um, unaligned or doesn't feel right. And then even more so, selling. That selling is uncomfortable. That selling is salesy or pushy. That does not have to be the case. It kind of depends on how you go about it, okay? This is why I say that to develop business in a way that feels good to you is all about leading with your values and leaning into your strengths. Those are the two big keys to building a very robust book of business while keeping things super simple and not taking a lot of time, okay? Even as an introvert, and yes, while asking for business in a way that's 100% comfortable to you. Now, I have talked about kind of my process or my framework for how to build a book of business by leaning into your values and, you know, leading with your strengths. I would go back and listen to that if you haven't. That's episode, I believe, 13. And I also highly recommend that you download the Client Development Blueprint. Both of these I will have in the show notes. So Definitely go listen to that episode and download the blueprint. It has my step-by-step framework for how to do this. The other thing that I will note before we get into the nitty-gritty today is this is specifically what I help a lot of my clients with, both individually and in a group format. And I am currently taking applications for my next round of Elevate, which is my group attorney business building mastermind. So if you are looking to build your business and are thinking about getting some help around it, do take a look at Elevate and also at the individual coaching option. I will have links to both of those so you can check them out in the show notes as well. Okay, so I do find that a lot of attorneys get a little bit mixed up around what business development includes, and they conflate the various prongs. And it's really important to understand the what I consider three main prongs of business development. And the reason for that is when you don't fully understand what they are, it's really hard to build sound strategies that cover all the bases without getting you too overwhelmed, okay? And so that's why we're covering this today. It will help you not just understand what business development is, but really think more strategically about how to do it in a way that keeps things super simple yet still works. So does it include marketing? What about networking? What about thought leadership or branding? Where does branding come into play? And how does selling fit into all of this? This is what we are specifically getting into today. Because what we don't want is for you to be confused about it or not think as strategically. Because when we're not as strategic, we end up muddling the message, doing too many things, And missing some key things that you must do if you want to truly develop a good book of business, both consistently and sustainably over the long term. Okay, so let's just get into the nitty gritty then. In my mind, there are three main prongs of attorney business development. And that is number one, marketing. Number two, networking. And number three, selling. And before we break each one of these down, Let's talk about what these do for you 
why do we want to be so so strategic? Why do I separate these? Well, it's so that you do what you need to do to bring in clients, which is develop this know, like, and trust factor, okay? So business development is, at the end of the day, about relationship building. You need to build strong relationships with people who are willing to hire you. And they're not going to hire you unless, number one, they know you. And knowing you really means they understand what it is you do and how you can help them. Also, they need to know and understand what you bring to the table. Because let's be honest, lawyers can be a dime a dozen unless you have a very super specific niche that not a lot of people do. That's not most of us. Most of us practice a type of law that a lot of others do. And so you need to differentiate yourself. And the way to differentiate yourself is through prong number one, which is marketing, and then also prong number two, which is networking, okay? And so it creates that knowledge that what it is you do, what you bring to the table, what your kind of secret sauce is. The second part is the like factor, right? They need to know you, but they also need to like you. They want to be able, they want to work with you. They want to think of you as more than just somebody they call when something happens on the legal front. You want to develop an actual friendship with people. And when I say friendship, I don't necessarily mean you have to be close friends with them. It's not like the relationships that you have with your closest friends. But you do want to have a relationship with them where they think of you first when they need something, where they respect you as a person, they respect and value you, they value what you bring to the table, and they respect your time as well, okay? And so what that does for you is it brings more loyalty so that they're more likely to refer you business, they're more likely to introduce you to others, they're more willing to provide case studies and testimonials, etc. And then finally, trust. They need to trust that you have their back, that you're always going to give them your best, and that you're credible. Credibility is key to trust, okay? They also need to trust that you're going to be honest with them and always do what's best, including saying no and turning work down when necessary. So when I say turning work down, sometimes that means you're too busy and you just can't take it on. I've had to do that in the past. Or also, you don't have the area of expertise and you have to refer them elsewhere. That creates trust, right? So know, like, and trust is key. And that's the whole point to the marketing and the networking pieces of business development. And it's important to understand that so that you pick the right strategies that really work to create that know, like, and trust factor, okay? All right, so let's move into prong number one, and that is marketing. So the whole purpose of marketing is to demonstrate value, right? What you do, who you help, how you help them, and why you're unique. Why should they choose you over somebody else? So what this does, the marketing piece, is it gives them just that basic information that they need to know, but it should go even further than that if it's going to work properly. And that's to show your personality, to start giving some credibility that you know your stuff and that you can be trusted. Now, granted, credibility really gets created more and more as you actually start working with people, but your marketing efforts begin that, 
okay? If you market in the right way, you can really start creating that trust and that credibility piece rather quickly if you do it the right way. Now, there's a lot of differentiation out there between, I think a lot of people like to make a differentiation between marketing and branding. And they are a little bit different, but I like to think of branding as part of your marketing, right? And so when I say branding, I'm not just talking about your website um, and like the colors you use and the um, the logo that you have and all of that. We think of that as branding. That's not really what I'm talking about. I'm talking about how you're actually perceived by other people. What do people say about you when you're not in the room, when you're not around? What do clients say about you? What do peers and colleagues say about you? That is your brand. And you create that both by how you serve your clients, but also by what you put out in the public, by what you talk, choose to talk about, how you choose to speak about it, okay? And a lot of that comes through your content marketing for your thought leadership pieces. And when I say content marketing, this is definitively a marketing thing. I'm talking about when you write articles for third-party publications, when you write on a blog, if you have a newsletter, what you say in that. If you put videos out there, social posts that you put on LinkedIn, speaking, when you go speak, what you choose to speak about and the way you go about it, the personality that you show, all of these things play a part in your marketing piece. But they also help create your branding because they create the perception people have of you, not just of what you do and whether or not you know your stuff, but kind of the unique angle you like to take, the personality that you show, all of that goes into branding. And so all of this kind of goes together. And that's why I include branding within the marketing prong. Other things that go into your marketing, sponsorships, right? What you choose to sponsor and put your name on obviously plays a part in your marketing, also plays a part in your branding and what people think of you. And then public relations, whether it be campaigns or if you show up in the news and how you respond to that. So all of these things go into your marketing. The reason why I want you to really think about this and think about it and differentiate it from the other two prongs I'm going to cover here shortly is because you cannot do it all. So one of my methods for teaching my clients, and I talked about it back in that episode that I've already referenced, is to leverage your strengths in the marketing that you do. So if you are really good at writing and you enjoy writing, you should probably use that as one of your marketing tactics. If you hate writing, do not do it. It's going to come across. And the reason why I want you to leverage your strengths is it makes business development a lot easier. When you're doing something that you're good and strong at, you're more likely to enjoy it. So definitely make sure you enjoy it as well. You Add those two together and it just makes it seem easier. It's also not as time consuming. And because you're having more fun, you're going to be more naturally attractive to the right people. And so you want to really lean into those strengths that you have and utilize them when marketing. If you really loved speaking, that might be your number one tactic. So a lot of attorneys I know try to do it all. Don't do that. You should only have maybe two, you could even just have one main way of marketing. Be it speaking, writing, 
um, videos, having a newsletter, which is also another way of writing. I mean, there's different ways of doing it. But you need one main one that is your go-to, that is what you put most of your energy into, that you're good at, that you enjoy, okay? And if you don't like speaking or writing big articles, but you like writing smaller things, you could be writing smaller posts that just go on LinkedIn, That could be part of it. There's a lot of ways to do this. So get creative with it. Lean into those strengths. Lead with them. And don't do too many things. All right. So that pretty much covers marketing. Let's get into prong number two, which is networking. So networking is what builds the strong, trusting relationships. It's what creates the ultimate know, like, and trust to get people to hire you who have never hired you before, right? And let me be clear about this. Networking is not just about attending networking events. You got to do more than that. (laughs) We're going to get into that. But you've got to do more than that. It's not enough just to go. So what type of events could you do? Well, there's a lot of different types of networking that you could do. You could join one, two, or three professional or industry associations and get very active, right? Become an active member or even get on the board. You could go to conferences. You could look for more speaking opportunities and then ensure that you're networking within those speaking opportunities with the organizers and attendees. You could create your own small gatherings with clients and prospective clients like a summit. Sometimes we put on firm events where all our clients are invited. That would count as well as a networking event. You could volunteer and do community networking as long as you're doing it with people who could potentially be clients. Any of these would count as networking. And what I would like to say is you have to network. You cannot build a good book of business without some form of networking. So this is where a lot of my introverts get really mixed up. They think that just writing articles or posting on LinkedIn is enough. It's not. You absolutely must network. Now, you can still network as an introvert. If you are more introverted and you hate big conferences, don't go to big conferences. Join one or two organizations that make sense, that have the right people there. Get very active in it so that you can kind of close in that circle and network in a smaller group of people. Another thing that would actually go into networking that I didn't mention is it doesn't always have to be with big events. You could maybe uh, network with some people that you meet through the business that you do that could be referral sources. I had a client who was a bankruptcy attorney, and there are certain types of financial folks that she works with regularly that she's gotten to know over the years, and she's formed relationships with these people and then reached out to them for referral sources. Hey, if you get this type of a case, could you send it my way? I also would utilize you as well as a couple of others as my referral sources as well. And so she gets business that way. She's more introverted, so this works really well for her. She doesn't like going to big events. She's kind of made that window a lot smaller so there's a lot of different ways to network you just got to figure out what will work for you based on your strengths again and your own personality traits but networking is absolutely key you must do it it's not you're not going to be able to build your business without it so most people fall down not in the networking it's in the follow-up Let me just say this. If you do not follow up with people that you meet, you might as well not be doing the networking in the first place. There's no point for it. It is not enough to collect business cards. It's not even enough to follow up once, twice, or three times. 
after meeting somebody. You have to keep going. I think surveys show that you can like reach out to somebody as many as 20 or more times before they decide to actually hire you if it's somebody new. Now, unless they're looking for someone exactly like you when you first meet them, it's going to go nowhere if you do not stay in touch for the long haul. You need to build a long-term relationship. And the only way to do that is through follow-up. And I stress to my clients that you got to put together a process that you can be consistent with. That can be, that's organized so that you can keep track of those you're trying to follow up with. And you can do it on a very regular basis. So let's say you go to an event and you meet two people that you think, huh, they could be a really good long-term contact. Now, first and foremost, let me just say that don't just go to networking events. You need to be strategic about the events themselves. Because if there's not going to be anybody there, the chances are going to be pretty low that people who are in attendance are going to be somebody that presents at least a warm lead for you, there's not a big point in going. And when I say warm lead, I mean somebody who has the potential for wanting to hire you or someone like you in the near or long-term future, or could be a referral source for you to get you working that way, okay? So there's got to be a strategic reason for wanting to show up in the first place. So that should limit the number of events you even go to. Secondarily, when you plan to go to one of these, you need to think ahead of time before going and have a strategic plan. Like, what is your goal? What type of people do you want to meet? Is there a way to see the list of people who are supposed to attend? If you can do that, do that. Kind of scout out who you want to meet. Have a plan for that, okay? If you know people that are going to be there, ask them for introductions. Be very strategic about it. And do not go for quantity. Quality is much more important. It is so much better to walk away with one or two contacts that are warm leads than to get 20 cards of people that don't really matter. So make sure that you're really strategic about it. But then when it comes to the follow-up, so immediately you want to follow up. And when I say immediate, within 24 to 48 hours of the initial meeting, you want to follow back up. And that should look something like an email, a quick little email saying, hey, it was so nice to meet you. Loved our conversation about maybe send them something. If you have an article you've written or you've read, even read something, it doesn't have to be something you put out there or even your firm put out there, by the way. But if you had a conversation and you've got something that's relevant, send that to them. Hey, thought about you, thought you might like this. And then always end, and this is key here, because it'll help you in the future with, you know, really enjoyed this, would love to stay in touch, a plan to reach back out. Maybe we could schedule a lunch or a coffee or something of that nature, right? You want to mention that you want to keep in touch and leave them with that end expectation. This makes it a lot easier for you to continue to reach out in the future because you've already set them up for it and they know and you feel okay about doing it and not like it's just out of the blue, okay? So that's your first kind of point of contact afterwards. And then you need to figure out, okay, is this somebody who's a hot lead, which basically means I really actually from, you know, talking with them and what I got out of them think they might be in the market to hire somebody like me and I have a real chance within the next three to six months? Or is it a warm lead? No, they're not likely to, but I think they could be a good potential in the future. And so I want to keep in touch with them on a more regular basis, but not quite as much as I would for a hot lead. 
or is it a little colder? Somebody who may one day have the potential, you could see it might working out, but it's not going to happen anytime soon. So you put them in one of those buckets. And you decide what's hot versus what's warm. For what I did, hot was like somebody who might be willing to hire some somebody like me within the next six months. Because that was actually not a very common thing amongst the finance people. <laughs> they didn't switch firms very easily or quickly or often. And so if it looked like it could happen within the next six months, that was considered hot. For whatever your practice is, it may be four to six weeks. It may be two weeks. I don't know. You decide what's hot versus what's warm versus what's colder, okay? And understand that you need to really rank people because you can only keep up with so many. And I do not recommend having more than eight to 10 people that you're keeping up with on a regular basis. And also, over time, these folks are going to change. People you think are hot are going to become warm and even cold. People you thought were cold are going to move up. And so you want to kind of pay attention to that every couple of months reevaluate and move people around as necessary. So you put them in a bucket and then you decide, okay, how often am I going to reach out? I highly recommend at least monthly for your hotter and very warm leads, quarterly for your kind of lukewarm leads and your colder, but you don't want to lose track of them because one day, maybe a couple times a year. And then you're going to create some sort of spreadsheet and have a process to be reaching out. So you're going to have people that you're trying to reach out to every single month. A couple of people you're trying to reach out to quarterly and maybe a few that you reach out to a couple of times per year. So you need a spreadsheet that says, you know, what it is you've done last or the last couple of times, how you reached out to them so that you can keep track and not do the same thing over and over again. And you want to track that and just pay attention to what results you're getting. Do you get good feedback? Do they even get back to you? Because it's going to be informative for how long you want to go without changing tactics or deciding that it's just not, they're not on that list. They need to come off completely. Now, what do you do? Well, you send emails. You can send articles that you wrote, that somebody in your firm wrote, that you read, that another firm wrote, or heck, it doesn't even have to be relating to a legal thing. It could be something within their industry, or it could relate to a personal conversation you had at an event, right, that is completely on point to the discussion you had. It just means you were paying attention and you care about them. You can send that too. It can be through messaging, like on LinkedIn. It can be through a phone call. It can be through setting up an in-person event or a Zoom event, a coffee, a lunch, a dinner, a happy hour, whatever. You're going to change those things up. What I would say to this in your process is you want to be very consistent with this and have something that you do at least weekly. So some of my clients have an hour set up per week to be doing this type of thing. Others schedule 15 to 20 minutes per day. I had one client who every day at noon, from noon to 12.15, before she went to lunch or had lunch, she would do her outreach efforts that day. And so usually it was like one person per day, right? And sometimes she wasn't even reaching out to somebody because she doesn't need to reach out to one whole person per day. That can be too many. But she would be looking at stuff, planning, deciding what she wanted to do, arrange, you know, organizing, that kind of thing. So you decide what works for you, but you need to be consistent with it. So that's networking. All right, so we've been through prong one, which is marketing. We've been through prong two, which is networking. Let's get to prong three, which is selling. So I have 
covered this before in a prior episode, and I'm going to link that in the show notes as well, episode number 20, how to sell with these. So I don't want to like belabor this one too much, but let me just say, you're not going to get a lot of clients if you just wait for them to come to you. You actually have to ask for their business. Otherwise, people assume you're busy, you don't need it, you don't want it. It's just, it's a fact, okay? So you've got to ask. And one of the biggest myths that I have to encounter is that introverts are not good at and can't really sell. That is just an outright falsity. It's a lie. Believe it or not, I'm pretty introverted. Despite the fact that I have this podcast, I'm an introverted person. And I did used to hate selling. But what I figured out was that everybody has their own unique sales personality. When you use your strengths and lead with your values and stay aligned to them, it doesn't have to be about badgering or hounding people for the sell. You don't have to say things like, you need to send me your business or why aren't you, why didn't you, you know, that kind of thing. We know we've all heard that, right? No, that's not how you ask. You don't have to ask that way. In fact, I highly recommend you don't. When you are leading with your strengths, aligning to your values, and you network well, and you follow up and reach out, and you have targets that you're keeping up with consistently, it becomes very organic and very natural to ask for the business. It gets so much easier. This is why I spent so long on the networking piece, y'all. So obviously, there are different ways to sell. You could do it through a formal pitch process. We've Most of us have been through that. Not the most fun, but necessary sometimes. And then there's the informal asking, which in my experience is much more worthwhile because that is when you ask somebody you've developed a real relationship with over time for the business. And we're all scared to do that, but it doesn't have to be so scary and it definitely can be natural and organic. And something I would say to this also is oftentimes when you first ask, you do hear a no, but it doesn't mean no forever. Usually it means no for now. And you're planting that seed. So stay up with people. Unless they just outright tell you, no, it's never going to happen. Keep them on your radar screen. Okay, so in addition to the episode around selling, I also highly recommend that you go back if you haven't already listened to episodes four and eight. Those episodes have to do with some common misconceptions and myths around business development that hold a lot of attorneys back from growing the business that they want. And also some common mistakes that I see a lot of lawyers making when trying to, you know, ask for the business market, etc., in their business development efforts. So go back and listen to those. Also, don't forget to download your client development blueprint. It does have my step-by-step framework for how to develop your business with more ease by aligning to your values and leveraging those strengths that we've talked about. The whole point is to simplify things, y'all, so that it isn't so time-consuming, so that it doesn't feel so hard, so that you can actually have fun with it. Yes, I said fun. (laughs) And again, if you are looking to grow your business, I highly recommend you check out Elevate. I will have a link in the show notes. Finally, I have a request to make. If you enjoyed today's episode and you know some attorneys who could use it, please do share this with them. 
And if you haven't yet given me a review, I ask that you do that. I read every one. I enjoy reading them. But also, they tell me it helps for the podcast to be found to get the reviews. So I would so appreciate it from you. That is it for today. I hope you learned something from it. We will talk next week about how to overcome imposter syndrome. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Life & Law Podcast. If you enjoyed this week's episode and aren't yet a follower or subscriber, be sure to hit the follow or subscribe button so that you don't miss an episode. For show notes and free resources to help you succeed in both Life & Law, including the Life & Law Roadmap, visit lifeandlawpodcast.com.